in our business structure, in our interactions with our clients, in the, our services we offer. All we're doing is constantly creating the environment to allow people, to empower people to choose you or not and be okay if they don't, but know that you've created the, the work that needs to be done. And this is the work that I do with my clients. The work that needs to be done is, do you have the right environment? Is it the best environment? Is it a healthy environment? That's the work. What we're doing in business all the time is working on the environment. We need to spend more time on that than trying to convince people to hire us. That's, that's a futile point. Put all your effort into creating the right environment and let the magic work. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. When someone goes into creating a small business or into becoming self-employed, one of the main reasons they do that is to have more control. Trust me, that's one of the main reasons why I decided to embark on my current self-employed venture. Unfortunately, too many self-employed business owners find out that the self-employed life can be like a never-ending roller coaster where they have even less control than before. Trust me, that's happened and continues to happen more often than I'd like in my life today. And if you're like most people, you're likely experiencing less control over your life than you'd like today. I mean, in a post-pandemic environment, we're being bombarded by and we're being chased by way too many demands. And with those demands, it's becoming harder and harder to make traction in our business. And if we do actually make traction, sometimes it comes at the sacrifice of our family. It's exhausting. And it's causing too many business owners and business leaders to become burned out, or sometimes even worse. But what if you could have far more control over your business than you previously thought? Not only that, what if you could learn how to manage those things that you can't control so that they don't derail you? It turns out you can. And the key is in setting up the right environment for sustainable success and happiness through a self-employed ecosystem. Thankfully, this week's guest can help with that. Of course he can. He actually developed the self-employed ecosystem concept. It's Jeffrey Shaw. Jeffrey's a highly sought-after keynote speaker. He's a LinkedIn learning instructor and a contributor for Entrepreneur Magazine. And he's the founder of the Self-Employed Business Institute, where he provides coaching and business training for self-employed business owners. He's the host of the top-ranked Self-Employed podcast that's heard by over 30,000 listeners per month. And he's the author of the best-selling book of the same name, The Self-Employed Life. Jeffrey and I talk about his lessons designed to help business owners learn how to gain control of their business and life by creating the environment for the results they want instead of an environment that goes off the rails. And much of that is through creating and managing Jeffrey's self-employed ecosystem. And honestly, even though these lessons are designed for self-employed business owners, 
I think they'll help any business leader learn how to get and keep their professional and personal life on track. So here it is. Here's my interview with Jeffrey Shaw. Hi, Jeffrey. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I have loved digging into the self-employed life. Congratulations. Thank you. And I want to talk about the book and the lessons that are in there. But before we jump into the book, I actually want to dissect or dissect the name of the book itself, The Self-Employed Life, because I think there are a number of people who are in this position, and I think that number is growing exponentially today, whether you call them uh, solopreneurs, freelancers, small business owners, founders, whatever it is, I'm sure there's other terms too, but you landed on the term self-employed and the self-employed life. So I'd like to talk about how you arrived at that term and owning the term self-employed. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm really, I think I'm, I'm trying to reframe that people use the term more because I personally feel like any other term is inaccurate, you know, um, and here's the downside of it. A lot of times we might refer to ourselves as small business. And I've done the keyword research, by the way, to realize that small, you know, nobody searches for self-employed. And this is one of the core marketing problems of the book, by the way. I mean, I was kind of writing it, but before we really kind of got deep into writing it, and certainly before we launched, I did my due diligence. You know, you go to Amazon, you see what other books are out there for self-employed, and there weren't any. The only thing is searchable in Amazon for self-employed that came up were things like how to save money on your taxes when you're self-employed. <laughs> Nothing anybody cares about. Yeah. And I said to my publisher, I said, you know, here's going to be our marketing challenge. Self-employed people are so used to doing things on our own and taking the hits on, to our chin on our own that they don't even know to go to Amazon to look for help. And myself included. At that time, I was 35 years in business. It was the first time I ever searched on Amazon to see if there was a book for self-employed businesses. 35 years of being self-employed. Wow. The problem is that it's just people don't use the term. What happens then? We call ourselves small business. Well, here's the problem with that. And it's, it's a big problem. Things like the pandemic. In the past, if there was financial aid for small business, that didn't include us because small business is up to 500 employees by definition. Yeah. Okay, so the PPP loans at the beginning of 2020 was the first time in history, first time in history, Matt, the words self-employed ended up in a piece of U.S. legislation where the PPP loans, first time in history, because the PPP loans specifically said financial support for self-employed business owners, first time in history. Okay, so then you have entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is a cool term. I think a lot of us like to call ourselves entrepreneur. The problem with it is it can also sound like you're kind of in between jobs. Like, what does it mean? And nowadays, a lot of people associate that the hustle, which has its own negative connotation. Okay, freelancer. Hey, almost all of us become self-employed to get our freedom. The problem is you call yourself a freelancer. People might not take you serious enough. So if you break it down term by term, what I love about self-employed is that people know your lifestyle and your business model all at once. When you're self-employed, they're like, cool for you. You have your own business. And, you know, so they immediately get a sense of your lifestyle and they understand kind of the business model, like you're in business for yourself. So by and large, that's how we, you know, I was adamant about not only referring to the title of the book as the self-employed, but also the word life in there. That was a really right. critical to me because I wanted to me being self-employed is the whole gamut, right? Being self-employed is the business. It's the life you're building. We can't break those two things apart. It could have been called how to be successfully self-employed. That was one of the titles in working, 
I was like, nope, it has to be the self-employed life because I, at the end of the day, the goal here is to help people build self-employed businesses that are successful enough that they get to live the life of their dreams. So life has to be there. Right. And I'm two years into my self-employment journey. When you're self-employed, your business and your life, it's not as compartmentalized as no. when you have a job or if you're, you're in a corporate environment. Like they're really integrated together. And a lot of times, like I'll be in my personal life moments, but still thinking about and still working on my business and being okay with that. Yeah. And that, so I love that you just said that. I actually just, I have a new talk that I, I gave for the first time a couple of weeks ago called Designing Your Self-Employed Life. Oh, cool. The event planner specifically said, I can show up and talk business strategies and growth all day long. But she said, you know, and this was a group of healthcare professionals. Okay. So imagine how busy they are right now. Of course. And she said, really what this audience needs is to figure out how the hell to get their life back. Right. Because they feel like they just, they're just losing their life. Not only are they overly busy, there's so much competition amongst healthcare professionals that they're like poaching workers from one another. Like people are quitting right and left because they're going to different firms. One of the things we have to do is be okay and be proud of who we are. It's okay for you to think about your business when you're on your personal life. Somehow we've gotten this message that we're not supposed to. And then, so there's like this world, the normal world is trying to force us into compartmentalizing our lives that just doesn't fit for us. So it's natural that when you're home, you're going to, in fact, I would say it's when you're home on your personal time and you kind of let your guard down is when you're going to get a lot of ideas because your brain is relaxed. That's right. Just like getting ideas in the shower, right? And of course, if there's chaos going on at home, of course, it's going to affect you at work. But Matt, here is also what I want to offer because that's reality. But I think even here's the most important understanding about how your personal life and how your business is, is interconnected when you're self-employed. Your level of success is proportionate to your level of personal development when you're self-employed. How far you will go in your business, it can you can only go as far as you have done the personal work to believe you're capable of more and that you deserve more. Otherwise, your success is limited by your current belief system of what you think you can handle and what you deserve. So in order to grow our businesses, we always have to turn to ourselves first and work on our own personal development, increase what I refer to as your capacity, increase your capacity for what you are capable of, what you believe you can manage, and what you know you deserve. And oddly enough, if we can dig into this if you want, oddly enough, feelings of overwhelm or one of your best indicators that you're ready for your next level of growth. Explain that. <laughs> I know. It's, oh, wow. Because here's why. And when you're self-employed, Rome is always in a state of overwhelm. Think about it. If you look back at your previous years of your life, you would look back at other times you felt overwhelmed. And by today's growth, it would be a blip in the radar. Most times, yeah. Right? Most times. You know, the things you made a big deal as a teenager are like, really, seriously, that was a big deal then, you know, but even if you look at your adult life, even a couple of years ago, I'm like, I can't believe that overwhelmed me. Like I could handle that and much more now. Well, now think forward, right? So the state of overwhelm you're feeling now will likely be a blip on the radar in your future because you're at a next level of growth. So when you're feeling that pressure of overwhelm, to me, it's a calling to do what needs to be done, to do the personal development work, to build systems in your business, to hire people, because the state of overwhelm is telling you 
step into a bigger stage so that you can look back and what you're experiencing right now will be a blip on the radar. Wow. Okay. So I don't know if this is just like, I guess, God's hand and the timing of this or not, but like that conversation right there, that's what I needed to hear today, this week. And I don't know how many other self-employed professionals are in that land of being overwhelmed, but that's where I've been a lot recently. And I've been thinking, like, what do I got to do right now to get out of this? So yeah, we almost always are. So then then to get out of it, you look at it and say, A, cool right? <laughs> a, cool. Like it's not a negative, you know, it might feel like an A, but Hey, this is actually the, I'm being called to a bigger version of myself. That's cool. And then you can start looking at it more logically. Chances are you need more people, more systems, more growth. It's one of the, it's not even one of those, it's all three of those things, right? There's a way in which you're feeling overwhelmed because you probably are feeling the pressure of what you think you're capable of. Hey, let's, let's imagine you're capable of more. Let's determine you're capable of more. Chances are you probably need more support around you. You need other people. You need to delegate. You need to hire more people. So, you know, once you congratulate yourself for getting yourself to a point of, because it's like this organic breathing, Matt, when you've been, I've been in business for 38 years, self-employed for 38 years. So you realize that there's a pattern. It's like this breathing organism where you fill it up to capacity. You do the work to increase capacity, raise the ceiling. And then the space you've created gets met by your next level of growth. And then you're overwhelmed. So then you hire more people, you delegate more tasks, you do more personal work, you raise the ceiling, you create space, it fills up again. That's actually what business growth should look like. Oh, wow. I always get Pareto principle and Parkinson's law confused. And Yeah, that's Parkinson's law. That's Parkinson's law. You will yeah. fill up the space given to you. Yeah. Parkinson's law states that you will fill up whatever space you're given. If you give somebody a a task to do in five hours, they'll take the five hours. If you give them the same task in two hours, they'll get it done in two hours. But by law, there's so much to that even in the natural environment that if you create the space, it will get filled up. It's one of the, I think more in my first book, Lingo, and I use this in my keynotes, that the goals of a self-employed business owner should be to strive to be bored. And nobody thinks of it that way, right? Because we live in this world of busyness and hustling. It's like, no, actually, your goal should be constantly striving to be bored. Give away what you don't need to be doing so you have time to twiddle your thumbs. Because then what's going to happen is the better clients are going to come along to fill up that space. Bigger projects are going to come along to fill that space. You'll have time to put attention on filling up that space. Think about every business knows this pattern, which is when you're busy you're not marketing your business, right? right? And all of a sudden you're less busy. You're like, well, damn, I wish I had something in the pipeline. Yeah, no kidding, right? Because one of the worst things you can do is like when you're busy is take your eye off the ball because if that dries up, you have nothing in the pipeline. That's right. You always want to strive to be bored. So you also always have the time to keep the momentum going so you don't go through these huge peaks and valleys. Yeah, that's one of the things that I advise to people is, In your business, in your role, you should only be doing those things that only you should do. And then everything else should be either automated or delegated. Exactly. I I have a three-step process, eliminate, delegate, automate. And it's an ongoing process of evaluation of my business. What can I completely eliminate? What can I delegate? What can I automate? And in today's world, so much can be automated that takes things off your plate. It's a beautiful thing. But here, you know, what happens is like, well, I don't, I don't have the 30 minutes it takes to automate that. Maybe I don't have the five hours, but do the math. 
If it takes you, or a delegation, if it takes you 30 minutes to teach somebody a five-minute task, because what do we usually do? It's like, oh, it's only five minutes. I'll just do it myself. But if you spend 30 minutes to teach somebody a five-minute task, you've gotten your ROTI back in six days. Yeah. Right? That's it. Return on time invested. Right? It just... So... You constantly have, like I said, strive to be bored. It's just a great concept for self-employed business owners to give yourself the space to then to decide what you want to do with it. You know, do you want business growth or do you want to take a vacation? <laughs> That's okay too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, when we talk about the book, so you released The Self-Employed Life last year and we were essentially like right in the center, right in the middle of the pandemic. So to me, that feels like incredible timing with the release of the book because so many people were either becoming furloughed, losing jobs, or deciding to move on to something else and were moving into more of that self-employed life. So I have to imagine, though, that you were creating the lessons, creating the book well before the pandemic. So talk to me about that journey. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was great. I mean, I've always said I, I'm such an observer that I tend to observe and before I take action. So I've always felt like I'm a little late. I'm, I'm a terrible investor. I never get oh. investing right. Like I'm always earlier late on investing, right? So I've never considered myself good on timing. This was just meant to be. Started writing it in 2019 and then was writing it throughout 2020 during the pandemic. And it came out May of 2021. And I was careful writing it. And my editor and I were very careful. Like we didn't want to make it a pandemic book. I mean, this book was in motion before the pandemic ever hit. So we really, we actually, in the editing process, pulled out a lot of references to the pandemic and all the things. They're just, that's going to date itself. Not that we'll forget, but at this point, we don't even want to talk about it. Well, at this point, we, right. we want to get past it. So um, I didn't want to focus on that. But what I didn't, just didn't occur to me is that we'd have this thing called the great resignation. A year after initial release, which is kind of what we predicted, we're seeing it starting to spike out because the first year, all the people that resigned in 2021, they weren't ready to get this information necessarily. They were focused on the confusion they were facing. They were focused on setting up their LLC, dealing with being furloughed, et cetera. It's a year later, they're now like, okay, now I'm actually in business, but it's, yeah. I need the marketing ideas. I need the structure. I need the business model. And that's where this book was already written to provide all that. So it really was just a, more than anything, it was just a matter of incredible timing, which I could not have seen. I feel like in a way I should have seen it, to be honest with you, Matt, because I've been in business long enough that I've seen enough crises in the world. Like I was, I lived in New York during 9-11 and then there's the great recession and here's the common denominator. It is that every time there's been a major crisis, it is followed by a major shift in values, in people's life values. Right. And for example, during the Great Recession, and it kind of initiated really by 9-11, to be honest with you, as a photographer, which was my kind of previous career for decades, as a portrait photographer for affluent families, 9-11, they were the target. They were all Wall Street. That's the wealthy family. They're all Wall Street. So they were the target. And it really made them reevaluate their life, not to mention every one of us, every New Yorker lost who knows how many people. I lost three friends in those towers, lost clients. So we all lost somebody. So it shifted your values. And then the result of that, I actually think that has a lot more to do with the recession than people realize. Because if when the wealthiest people in our country decided to start spending less and be less focused on the material side of life and be more focused on their families... They stopped spending. 
All right. Yeah. So when they stop spending, it affects the economy combined with a bunch of other things going on. Maybe there should have, maybe it should have been more obvious in this case that after the pandemic, there was going to be a huge value shift where people for the first time were going to put their life first. What people want now is a job and career that fits into the life they want to live and not a life they're trying to squeeze in in between their work. That's a huge values shift and it is driving millions of people to become self-employed because they can self-direct their lives. Right. Yeah. And I think people are starting to see that opportunity, be able to see that freedom and know that they want to get into that role. But a lot of times, and you know, myself included, you take those first couple of steps and then you're in the role. Okay, now I'm self-employed, not necessarily exactly like I thought it might be. What do I need to do? So I'm curious, when someone starts the self-employed life, they're first starting out, what do you see are some of the things that they may do incorrectly that might mm -hmm. sabotage either their business or sabotage their life or sabotage both? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, what you're asking is on kind of the premise of how I got the idea to write the book. Uh, it should have been obvious. I've never had a, a traditional job. I've never received a paycheck from anybody like wow. ever. <laughs> so I was selling eggs door to door as 14 years old and have been self-employed ever since. So it should have been obvious that this should have been my topic. And it, it just wasn't. I was just so used to living it. But when I started asking people why they became self-employed, everybody had the same answer everybody's answer to that question is some version of, I wanted to control my destiny or I wanted to, I wanted to be free. And then I look at them and say, how's that going for you? <laughs> right. And everybody less, yeah, not exactly like I thought, you know, yeah. either way, either you're working really hard to get the business off the ground or God forbid, air quotes, the business takes off so much, you're so overwhelmed, you still don't have a life, right? So either right. way, what people find is that, Either they're working really hard to get it off the ground or they're dealing with more work than they were prepared for. Either way, they realize, wow, this didn't give me the freedom that I had thought. Now I feel like I'm held hostage by my business, by myself, by my clients. So that was really where the idea for the book came from, like recognizing the problem and realizing I had a solution. The solution I had developed over 38 years of being self-employed is what I refer to and teach in the book as the self-employed ecosystem, yeah. right? Which is three elements personal development for all the reasons we spoke about a little before your success is proportionate to your level of personal development, right. personal development, business strategies. We need different business strategies when we're self-employed because by and large, the world is a transactionally based model. Business is transactional in the world, except when you're self-employed because almost always your business is reliant on relationships so you need a relationship business model, not a transactional business model. But when we look at the other big companies, they function transactionally. And we are, I put this in social media and so many people got it. It's like, it is actually exhausting trying to translate the world to fit our world, right? We see right. how other people do, we're like, I mean, like Amazon, what does everybody know about Amazon? That they deliver things really quick. Well, crap, that just really hurts me as a small business owner because now the entire consumer market thinks that they can get everything they need in two days, right? So we, are, we exhaust ourselves by trying to, I mean, Amazon has just increased the speed of expected delivery time, even on yeah. services, right? I mean, it's, they just created this instant satisfaction. So that's the second element is business strategies where we need what I call right-sized business strategies, strategies that work for us and work for relationship-based businesses. And the last element is daily habits. 
which is we're always dealing with our mindset. How can we improve our mindset to be more consistent in our behavior so that we can have more sustainable success? Because we are always dealing with the peaks and valleys. And I always say, you know, one minute you feel like a rock star, the next minute you feel like a loser. Like you don't know, you know, it's the mindset tripping yeah. is crazy. So, but there are daily practices that you want to incorporate into your practice, you know, 10, 15, 17 minutes a day, but that can actually create stability in your mindset. So that's uh, where the whole idea of the self-employed ecosystem came from, was recognizing the problem, recognizing I had developed a solution. That's how I survived and built various businesses over the years. And that's what I coach on. I wanted to also address the other point you're bringing up about like, what are they doing wrong? So first of all, probably nothing. It's part of the natural growth of how a business grows. What I will tell you, right? Yeah. But here's, I think a little bit of the surprise is that Year one or two, and even part of year three, you're pumped on adrenaline. You're naively stupid in a way that's okay. Because if you actually knew how hard this is going to be, you might have thought twice about it. Right. right. So, Probably wouldn't you know, be here. Exactly. So thankfully, we're a little numbed out. We're just pumped on adrenaline for the first few years. The most tender part is between three and five years. And how I spend most of my day is in my activities as the founder of the Self-Employed Business Institute, which is a five-month educational program for specifically for self-employed business. I created it because it doesn't exist. There's nobody out there teaching business for self-employed. I created it. We specifically intend on people being in business three to five years as being most of the students. Now, many of them have been in business for 20 years. There's issues to that too, and that the world has changed so much that what worked for you 10 years ago don't, doesn't work today, right. right? But a very, very, very tender stage, and this is what I would want anybody being newer in business to understand, is the most tender and cautious time period is between three and five years, and here's why. You're human. <laughs> if you are working really hard at something for three to five years, Chances are, as I hear from students of the Self-Employed Business Institute all the time, is that they feel like they have all the right things. It just hasn't come together yet. You can only go at bat so many times before you're going to get discouraged and possibly give up. Right. And somewhere between three and five years is when exhaustion, human exhaustion starts setting in, as well as bank accounts start getting slimmer partners in our lives start getting less patient. Yeah. Right. You know, honey, I gave you four years to get this off the ground and now it's starting to drain our finances, you know, somewhere between three and five years. And that's why at the Self-Employed Business Institute, we focus on getting to those people quickly because we want to solve that problem, teach them the self-employed ecosystem, teach them specific action steps they can take so that they can get the ball rolling because what they really what you need is momentum. Momentum can go a long ways in keeping you in the game until you hit the tipping point and then you're off and running. So that's what I would say what you're doing wrong. I don't know that anybody's doing something you're you're learning, you're iterating. Iterations are natural and expected, but just be aware that you're not in the clear between three and five years. It's actually probably one of the most challenging times to be self-employed. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's, I guess, good news for me because here I am in year three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it has its challenges, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. all those things, you know, you mentioned a few different things that are going on and that can be a lot of pressure on somebody. Yeah. And you're not sure, like, what do I try and solve first? Because all of these feel important 
and all seem to be like at that brink of maybe falling apart, but I don't know where to focus first. Yeah. Many of the people I'm working with today and certain students in the Business Institute, they were formerly corporate people. That's incredibly typical. I mean, people that have 10, 15, 20 years experience. That's the other cool thing. Like the average age of the most successful businesses today is like 47, right? It's not in the 20s. Like there's this whole, right? I mean, people are starting businesses at 55, 60 years old. So we have this wave of more mature adults that have 10, 15, 20 years of business experience behind them. They go into business for themselves. And they're, they're like, how is it I have all this business experience? And this isn't easy. I had a client reach out to me once who I ended up working with. She was a NASA scientist. Our very first phone call, like in her frustration, she's like, I'm a freaking NASA scientist. Like this shouldn't be hard in comparison. I'm like, self-employment is a different thing. You just haven't done it yet. That's why there needs to be education for it because it doesn't exist. I mean, I coach plenty of people that have MBAs and an MBA is a great backbone right? But they'll say, wow, this MBA, that's not what it's like being self-employed, right? It's a different experience. It is. It is. I was in the corporate arena for, I guess, with two different roles, maybe, you know, 20 years I was in corporate jobs. So like, that's all that I knew. And then, so as I was reading your book, I was trying to equate, okay, so this area might be like this in the corporate setting. And like, so for instance, Hmm. we'll get to it shortly, but when we talk about your ecosystem and we talk about those daily habits, Mm -hmm. to me, like, that's like, you know what? That's my corporate culture. Those habits and the mindset, that's my culture because it's really just the one person. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I understand. Yeah, exactly. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience. I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com slash speaking, you'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, And most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com slash speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. Let's dig into the ecosystem. Sure. We talked about personal development. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, when I think of personal development, that can be really challenging for someone who is 
self-employed because you're by yourself. And I think a lot of us have these blind spots that we can't see because we're simply blind to them. So when it comes to personal development, I'm curious around your thoughts, if someone should work with an outside party, an outside coach or an outside counselor, would that help them to grow in their personal development more quickly? A hundred percent. I mean, I'm a coach for a reason. I became a coach, I guess it's been about... 13 years or so. So if you're, I was 25 years into business when I decided to become a coach, be trained. I've received over a thousand hours of training because I believe in it. I believe, and I had had a coach for seven years and he retired. And when he retired, that's what it actually motivated me to become a coach. I'm like, I knew what he did for me. And I've had plenty of coaches since then, but he was my initial coach experience. And it was for seven years. I worked with him. And um, I wanted to do for us. So to me, it feels, yes, I obviously paid for it and it's a a full-blown business, but it feels like a huge give back to me because I'm able to share what I, what I developed. And yes, I believe in coaching hundred percent. I believe that my favorite phrase, or one of my favorite phrases regarding this is that you can't read the label from inside the jar. Right. Right? It is really hard. I mean, how do you, how do you see, first of all, one of the greatest gifts that I think a coach or any of us can offer to somebody else. And it's actually ingrained in our manual in the Business Institute as I train other coaches that one of the greatest gifts we can give other people is to see in them what either they can't see in themselves or we see something so natural to who they are that we want to encourage them to leverage it. It's one of the greatest gifts. And I we actually have it as a practice within the Business Institute that we want to provide every single student with a moment of awareness where it's like, you know what, you are saying something like you are innately trustworthy, like whether you realize it or not, you exude trust. So just know that you've got that down and leverage it now, right? How can just if you know, you exude that, right? So it's that's where you can't see that in yourself. Can't read the label from inside the jar as self-employed business owners, we're so far in the jar. And one of the, uh, so one of the, you know, we talked a little bit about capacity and personal development. Here's a, something else I'll offer because this is taught in the Institute as well. That is not the way people think about it. And you would need a coach, someone like myself, not the, I'll get news for you. Most coaches, I've never heard another coach put it this way either, but this is why you need a coach to help pull different things out of you. What we're doing in, in our own businesses, we're often trying to create some sort of change. Whatever that change, we want more business. We want more customers. Uh, we want to change how many hours we're working. We want our life back, right? We're always trying to change something. And that brings up the question, like what really motivates change that sticks? And here's the thing. It's not what you're going towards. It's not the goals that you set. They're dangling carrots. And the damn dangling carrot keeps moving. Or I like to say, you always feel like your big breaks around the corner, but you're left wondering who the hell keeps moving the corner, right? right? You just keep going around this corner that just keeps moving. What really motivates personal change to the point where you're going to take the actions that can change your business is getting clear on what you don't want anymore. You have to really get clear. Like what I refer to in the book is get clear on what you want to get away from. What do you want to do? You want to get away from not having enough money to the point that you'll actually apply yourself and do something about it. You have to get clear on how frustrated you are that you're on the edge. You don't quite have enough. You're not, or you're just barely making it. You have to actually grow to hate that. You're like, I am tired of that. I'm going to take the steps that need to be done to change it. If it's working too many hours, you have to get to the point where I hate that I don't see my kids. Yeah. 
and I'm going to do something about it. That is the initial step of creating actual change. I refer to it as if you look at an Olympic swimmer, the first thing that swimmer does is jump off away from the edge of the pool. Right. And wins the Olympic medal by a fraction of a second, almost always because of the push-offs, not because of the paddling, but because of the push-offs on every lap of the pool. Because pushing off, get what we get away from, has a stronger initial leap to create the momentum. And that's something I do with my clients is and students is to really get them really clear on what, what do you want to get away from that speaks to the actual change you want to make and what are we going to do about it? Yeah, when I was when I was reading that in the book, I was thinking of like the, the phrase, and I'm not sure like where I first heard this. May have been from Dave Ramsey, but you know, uh, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm so done with this. I'm so tired of this that I'll do whatever it takes to get away from this point, to get away from this feeling, and away from this point. Yeah, it's a softer version of rock bottom, right? I mean. Right. Anybody addict, addicted to something has to hit rock bottom, as we know, right? It's the softer version of that. But I mean, I actually, I use the words in the book, hate. I said, you have to hate what you want to get away from. And I had some advanced readers say, oh, I think hate's a little harsh. You want to take that? And I said, but that's the problem. Nobody's being harsh enough about it. Like, this isn't a, oh, I sort of, I don't like being broke. <laughs> I sort of yeah. don't like having money to pay my bills. Like, no. I mean, if you have to, you won't do anything about it in a big way until you are absolutely sick and tired and hate not having the money or being called out for it. So that's what creates change. So we, we actually focus more on, you know, initially it feels kind of negative. Like we need to get clear. What have you, what do you want to get away from? And it's like, okay, we got this. Now let's move forward with strategies to fix it. There you go. And so then what are those strategies? What are the the strategies someone can take to say, oh, personally, in my personal development, here are the next steps that I take? Yeah. So I'm going to apply that more to business strategies, right? Because once we, okay. cause again, yeah, because my brain, I always forewarn all my clients, and I think it has a lot to do with being a photographer for so many decades, which is both an art and a science. So I, you know, when I'm coaching my clients, my brain switches from left to right, as you will, freely, because- I can be as woo-woo as anybody. Like I want to get in there deep. I like to talk about the feelings and all. Then you get to a point like, great, now let's get to work. Right. <laughs> right. Now let's fix it. Right. So once you're clear on, hey, I want more business, I want more money, I want more in my life. It's like, cool. We know we were clear on that. We've done the touchy-feely work. We've done the personal development. We've done we've dove deep inside. Great. Now let's do something about it. Let's get to work. That's where business strategies become really important to me that they feel right-sized for a self-employed business. Like, as I said earlier, like we need to and should get ideas from the outer world and bigger business, but we have to adapt them to actually what works well for our size business, which is in today's world likely to be a one-person business or small team. And it has to be right for a relationship-based business. So what I find people are looking for and what comes naturally for me to teach are business strategies that are effective and feel good. Because most self-employed people are freaked out about a lot of commonality, a lot of normal things in business, right? Um, I always joke that most marketing words are horribly creepy, I mean, people we want to do business with, we refer to them as a target market. Like that's just yeah. awful, <laughs> right? It's yeah. like, you feel like you're pitting them on a bale of hay. Like it's a horrible term. <laughs> 
target market, right? I mean, what I talk a lot about in the book is the whole idea of a marketing funnel. Like I get the idea, right? right? But think about the visual of it, the way everybody plans out their marketing funnel, wide open at the top, open-hearted, welcoming at the top right. and a big opening with a narrow thing at the bottom, narrow hole at the bottom. Like you're going to squeeze people through a narrow hole. So that's why, like, for example, one of the things I introduced in the book is what I refer to as hug marketing. Yes. Yeah. Love that. This was my answer to hating a marketing funnel and hating the energy of it, where the hug marketing, instead of it being a funnel, it's a series of concentric circles and recognizing in a relationship-based business, there are people on the outer ring right now, what I've called them lurkers. Lurkers are people that are watching you. You just don't know them by name. You have lurkers right now in your podcast, a lot of them probably, right? They're watching you. They're taking in your content. You don't know them by name, but they're there. That's what social media is. (laughs) Social media and, you know, things that we do to get our content out in the world, they create lurkers. It's really important. It's a very important stage because lurkers can become engaged. That's the next circle in, right? So now they're engaging with, now maybe they're commenting on your social media or your podcast. And after they've become engaged, then perhaps they get connected, right? Yeah. Then, so there's what I teach in hug marketing is a series of concentric circles that you're taking one step in at a time. The ultimate goal being what I refer to as the hug, right? right. With the circle before that is client. Hug clients, hug marketing is the idea that you don't just stop it when they become a client, that you also build the relationship so that if you were to see each other in person, you couldn't imagine not hugging each other. Like you have that depth of relationship, right? Then you have loyalty, you have retention, you have people referring you. One of the things I'll, I'll add to that, you know, everything I just explained, one of the things I love about hug marketing is how it, it flips the burden of responsibility to the business owner to take people through those steps. You have to do the work. Right? You have to develop the content okay. to put out in the world for people to connect with you. The whole notion that build it and they will come does not apply to business. <laughs> right. 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 You build it and they're not going to come. You need to take the responsibility to turn lurkers into people that are curious about you. People that are curious then become engaged with your content. People that are engaged with you eventually become connected, probably by joining your email list. Once they become connected, hopefully they become a customer. Once they become a customer, you turn them into a hug customer, right? It's your burden of responsibility to walk them through these stages to get to your end goal. And I like that. I think in business, as business owners, we have to earn the right to get into somebody's earned money in their pocket. Oh, absolutely. And I think we should take that serious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then when it places the responsibility on you as the business owner, then that means that you also have the opportunity to shape the experience within each one of those circles. 100%. Yeah. You get to define, well, you have to, but you also get to define what that experience is. 100%. And you just nailed what to me is the foundational core belief to my entire existence in business. <laughs> oh, what's that? Well, I know it sounds, it sounds a little dramatic, but it's why, here's why this is important because I've written two books now about to begin the third and I plan on there being several books ahead. And this is what my editor refers to as immutable law, right? This is the immutable law of all my books so that collectively they all make sense. But it's also the immutable law of my life. And that is, I believe that 
We can't control the circumstances of life around us, but we can control the environment we set up for the results we want. All right. That is fundamental to being self-employed. And that's why I call it the self-employed ecosystem, because the world is out of our control. We can't control the circumstances. All we can do is control the environment for the results we want. The hug marketing, the kind of every one of those is a stage and an opportunity for you to create the environment, for you to create the environment for the result you want. Create, write the articles, put out the content, create podcast episodes. You created the environment for people to find out about you, to for people to reach out to you, for people to hire you. All right. All you can do is create the environment. It's in my first book, Lingo, same thing. That is about the environment of brand messaging. It's the goal is to attract your ideal customers. And you do that by creating the environment that speaks the lingo of your ideal customers by understanding them and then using the words and the strategies that feel like you're speaking directly to them. So even on a website, you are creating the environment by yeah. what you show and say on that website through your brand messaging. You're creating the environment for your ideal customers to feel like you get them. If they feel like you get them, you get the result you want because they hire you. That's right. Yeah. We can't control life. All we can do is control yeah. the environment. <laughs> Yeah. And you can't force fit anything and you can't force the customer through any part of that. All the control you have really is in the environment in which they're traveling through. Correct. And and this speaks so well to today's world, because guess what? The moment you try to force your client into anything, they're going to back up. I mean, the minute that anything smells salesy, right? The whole, I actually refer to like the the age in which we're doing business. And I don't see this going away anytime soon. I refer this to this as the empowerment age. People feel self-empowered. You know, I mean, studies have shown this. McKinsey reports, McKinsey did a fantastic report a couple of years ago that showed and this is mind-blowing, really, when you think about it, it showed that people make a 70% decision to hire you before they contact you. That's mind-blowing, wow. right? So they go, but yeah. think about it, don't you? I mean, we do our own vetting. We do our own yeah. research. We do our own Googling. Pretty we much. go to the website. We have pretty much have decided we're going to buy that thing or hire that person before we even reach out to them, and we just hope they don't screw it up. Yeah. We just hope that they're not creepy when they look really nice on their website. If they match up, we hire them because we have made a 70% decision on our own to hire or buy. That means we as the consumers are empowered. The minute you try to take someone's power away, it creates complete resistance. So the best way to meet empowerment is with creating the environment for people to make up their own decision. That's it. Right? You create the environment, but you're giving them full power. And then what I also like about that is that to me, there's a piece in people not choosing you. You did all you could do. You set up the environment. You gave them their choices on a platter. They didn't choose you because they didn't feel aligned or what have you. And, but just don't try to take away their power (laughs) because it'll be met with resistance. That's it. Yeah. Just if you focus on ensuring that they remain empowered, you provide the right environment. Yeah. Some will choose to do business with you and some won't. Yeah. But, but some will. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you a real quick story. When I moved to, I live in Miami now. I've been here about six and a half years. And when I first came down here, I wasn't planning on moving here. I lived in New York City and came down for three months and never left. So at the point that I decided to stay, I was looking for an apartment. And everybody had told me, check out this place in Miami Beach called South of Fifth. 
Uh, I now live in downtown Miami. I kind of gave up on the whole beach life. But uh, in the beginning, first two years, I lived in Miami Beach. And everybody said, check out South of Fifth. It's like this well-known, very nice, beautiful neighborhood. And I kept saying, no, I don't want to live in Miami Beach. Because to me, Miami Beach was all parties. And it wasn't my scene. So I kept writing it off. But finally, I listened to enough people. So I went and visited this neighborhood south of Fifth on my own. And fell instantly in love with it. It's like, oh my gosh, no wonder this is what everybody, it was just beautiful settings and park and everything. So I, I found an apartment within days. Uh, shortly thereafter, I had an appointment with my accountant, a brand new accountant, because I was moving to the state and remarked to him, since he's my accountant, saying that, well, I didn't really save any money on rent. My rent's the same in South of Fifth as it is was in Manhattan. <laughs> and um, he said to me, well, you do know you moved into the area designed to attract New Yorkers, right? I'm like, right. what do you mean designed to attract New Yorkers? He goes, you didn't notice that the park in the middle looks exactly like Battery Park in New York City? And there's literally a, a Smith and Walensky Steakhouse on the beach, which is exactly in New York. I mean, I was like, I was duped by my own strategy. I'm like, holy yeah. cow. Like, That's it. Right? But Matt, here's the thing. If a realtor took me there and told me how much I was going to love this place, I would be like, prove it. Yeah. It's because I went on my own. The environment did its job. I fell in love. And next thing I know, I'm another crazy New Yorker paying a ridiculous amount of money in rent in Florida. <laughs> so that's the power of creating the environment. Nobody had to say anything to me. I sold myself. Yeah, that, that's it. And, and, and you were empowered to Correct. make that decision. Yeah. Like I said, I'm convinced no if a realtor was with me, I probably would have challenged the realtor. Like, you know, and if a realtor no said to me, this is where all the New Yorkers move to, I'm like, well, I'm moving away from New York. Why do I, why would I, one. right? Not this one. I mean, I actually would have challenged it if anybody tried to sell me on it, yeah. but left to its own devices, the environment sold the same. And that is exactly what we need to do in business at every moment in our brand messaging, in our business structure, yep. in our interactions with our clients, in the our services we offer. All we're doing is constantly creating the environment to allow people, to empower people to choose you or not and be okay if they don't, but know that you've created the, the work that needs to be done. And this is the work that I do with my clients. The work that needs to be done is, do you have the right environment? Is it the best environment? Is it a healthy environment? That's the work. What we're doing in business all the time is working on the environment. We need to spend more time on that than trying to convince people to hire us. That's, that's a futile point. Put all your effort into creating the right environment and let the magic work. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let them, you know, make sure that the environment validates that 70% of the decision that they've already made. Correct. Correct. All right. So in your ecosystem, we've talked about personal development. We've talked about business strategies. The third piece of that ecosystem is daily habits. Yeah. And so when I was reading through the book, it walks through like what we've just talked about, you know, personal development, business strategies, and then daily habits. And I started thinking to myself, I was thinking, well, you know, but like daily habits seem so foundational to me that I think that that, that might come first, but <laughs> you put that in the book last. Why did you order it that way? You're a smart guy, Matt. Well, I'll tell you what, in this self-employed business institute, we teach it first. Oh, okay. Well, All right. So here's why. Because, and I know this is coach, there's a difference between an acknowledged need and deeper need. That's how I, what I refer to it as. Okay. So people mm. only need to ask, people only know to ask for what they think they need, which is rarely right. what they actually need. Right. Yeah. All right. I get that. Nobody would pick up this book if the first thing they were going to read was daily habits, because they don't know that they need that. 
They're like, I want yeah. business strategies, damn yeah. it. Like in theory, business strategies should come first because people reach out to me. When people reach out to me for coaching, it's like, I want to grow my business. I want to make more money. I'm like, great, we can do that. I just want to get them in the door because I know in order to do that, we actually need to do the personal development first and then the business strategies. But you're 100% right. In the in the Self-Employed Business Institute, the first month is devoted to personal development and, business and daily habits so that we set the foundation for all the business strategies they're going to learn for the next five months. But 100%, because it is foundational. But like I said, if it was presented first, people don't know that they need that. You would have sold fewer books that way. Yeah, I just I would have lost. Even more important, people wouldn't have finished the book. And my goal in writing a book, I mean, a huge percentage of books don't get read. My goal is for actually people to read the book because I want them to get all the information. So it's a strategy in writing a book to make sure you deliver on what people think they need first and then constantly deliver what they actually need. To me, that is the literal definition of being an expert. Being an expert is knowing what people need that they don't know to ask for which means you know something they don't. If you're only, I, I actually criticize customer service all the time. And I know this sounds stupid, but customer service is often at best giving people, providing what people ask for. That's great customer service. People ask for this and you give it to them. Great. But truly blow away service yeah. and demonstrating your expertise is actually giving people what they don't even know to ask for. That's what blows people away. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's when that customer can think, oh, wow. It's like they're inside my head. They really the know me. Yep. A hundred percent. That's it. Well, I know we're short on time here, but walk me through the daily habit. Yeah. What do we need to focus on with our daily habits? So and it's kind of a, uh, I'd say a three-step process and all of which I believe you can get done in 15 to 17 minutes because I wouldn't ask any more time of that from somebody. Now, this is separate from whatever. I mean, I have like a four-hour routine in the morning because I read for an hour. I do my own special formula of chai tea and I walk my dog, you know, all that is more to your rituals, if you will. Right. When I say daily habits, these are practices you want to do every morning for 15 to 17 minutes in total. And basically it's what I first refer to as a clearing of the mind practice. Okay. So that would be something like meditation. It could be something else, but first you want to clear the mind. Then you want to unblock the mind and then you want to create flow. Okay. Just if you look at it logically, you're going to clear the mind. So you have open space, unblock it, and then create inward flow. So meditation, affirmations, journaling, three-step process. But now my journaling strategy is kind of unique. And I teach this in, actually, this is the only content that's in both of my books. And I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up in all my books because I believe in it so much. I didn't realize. Yeah. What I call a what's going right journal. Yeah. Right. Different than a gratitude journal. (laughs) <laughs> a what's going right journal is very literal. And what you do is you journal every morning, five minutes, seven minutes on what's going right in your life. What's going right is on me getting new clients. What's going right is I'm getting great introductions. What's going right, starting every sentence with what's going right, because it does multiple things. One, you're rewiring the brain because typically all we see in life is what's going wrong. Right. Okay. And what we know is what you see more of, what you focus on, you get more of. So if you see what's going right, guess what? You're going to start seeing more things going right. You're going to you're going to experience gratitude because you're going to start seeing what's going right instead of the brain being wired for negativity. So it is very actionable in a way that gratitude wasn't for me, which is why I created the What's Going Right journal and we teach to all our students. So clear, you know, clear your mind, unblock it, 
and create flow, inward flow, positive flow, but through a what's going right journal. Like I said, 15 to 17 minutes. I do, I do a 10 minute meditation and I journal for five to seven minutes done. Yeah. And so someone shouldn't be able to say, kind of, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, we're talking about whether you're wanting to automate or delegate something else. You can't just say, I don't have 15 minutes to be able to do that. Yeah. If you take out just 15 minutes, start of your day to be able to do yeah. this and do it consistently, then the return that you're going to see from that is going to be exponentially larger than the amount of time that you're actually taking. To Correct. Do and what here's what here's what happens the people say i don't have time when did they when do they mostly give it up when things are going well when things are crappy and they're struggling they right. they make the time so like doing everything they can to get their Try life anything. under control right but yeah. then oh my gosh things are great things are cranking they put that aside and then they things fall apart again and that's the key. It's like I often equate it to if you go to the doctor or pharmacist and they give you a subscription for a virus, right? They say the antibody, take the, this antibiotic all the way through. Even when you start feeling better, keep taking the damn pill. And it's the same thing with daily habits. It's like the worst time to give them up is when everything's cranking and going great for you. That's not when you want to give it up because you're setting yourself up for the other side when it doesn't feel so good again. That's why it's daily habits. It just should be part of a routine. I said, so I don't, I don't ask any more than 15 to 17 minutes from somebody because anything more than that, they, it's too hard to maintain. And I get it. There you go. Yeah. Well, so we've, we've covered the whole ecosystem and it sounds like it's not just a one-time thing for each of those. It's not just, oh, I've done my personal development or I've done the business strategies or I did the habits for a while and now I can move on. It's all constant. It's an ecosystem. And, you know, the most daunting thing I'll say about that is that it's proportionate to how well that is all working and how healthy you're. So one of the things that I'll offer this to your audience, we actually offer an assessment. People can get that at selfemployedassessment.com. And it's a six question. It's a custom algorithm, selfemployedassessment.com. You answer these six questions and you get back a customized, very thorough report of what areas of your ecosystem are weaker and what areas are stronger. The harsh reality is, is that you really can't afford for any area of those, any part of those three areas to be weak. It's a, right. it's a tall order, but if you, it's proportionate to your success. You know, if you're working really hard and you've got great business strategies and maybe you've got good daily habits, but you feel like you're working really hard, not hardly getting any place, it's because you haven't done the personal development work. Yes. So what we do is we take your symptoms and point out exactly where it's weaker between those three and where you need to apply some attention. The goal being like any other environment, that's why I call it an ecosystem, right? An ecosystem is at risk when something is setting off the environment. Why is the great barrier reef dying at a rapid rate? Because the waters are too warm. It's killing the coral, right? It's something when your business is, when you're working harder than you need to work, or you feel like you have all the pieces, but they haven't quite come together yet. You need somebody else to help you figure out what's the ailment and what's the strategy to fix it. The goal being a thriving ecosystem, because then you've created the environment for the results you want. That's it. Jeffrey, last question for you. If you were to create a five song soundtrack for the self-employed life, what songs would you include? Yeah. Uh, and, and literally I have a soundtrack, which I listen to all my, because one, we need to keep ourselves pumped. Right. So number one for me is know your worth by Khalid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love that yeah. song. Know your worth. All my choices, by the way, I'm like a cheesy pop 
music listener. Uh, I would say I have the musical taste. I have, a, I have the musical taste of a 14 year old girl. Uh, <laughs> so know your worth by Khalid. Unstoppable by Sia. Come on. It's unstoppable. Uh, This is me from the movie uh, The Greatest Showman by uh, Keanu Settle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rebel Heart by Madonna. Not one of her big hits, but it's like we have a rebel heart when you're self-employed. And there's a real there's a real rebel feeling to that song, which I like. And last is uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh, yeah. That song is so perfectly titled, right? Because I don't know how you can listen to that and not lose yourself. Like somehow that song just like puts you in a different state. So there you go. Those are my five choices. Excellent. Love it. All of those. Like I want to listen to those right now after this and go get (laughs) pumped up for the rest of my day. Cool. Hope you do. Well, Jeffrey, I have learned a lot from your book. I've learned a lot from talking with you today, but where can we go to learn more? So, and truly, I want to encourage people grab that assessment, selfemployedassessment.com. Okay. That's the place. You get that. And yeah, it's, it's you know, like anything else, it's going to kick an email to you. So you get the link or you get your results. Um, so we'll be able to communicate, stay in touch. JeffreyShaw.com is my main website. And there is a page on there for my books, as well as the Self Employed Business Institute. So JeffreyShaw.com will pretty much take you everywhere, but grab the assessment uh, as far as a useful tool for people. I think that uh, that, that always makes me happiest because I am about relationship building. So I figure if you start there and you like the content, then you're more likely to say, hey, let's stay in touch. And from there, it's uh, just we build a relationship. Of course. Yeah. A a great starting off point. Excellent. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate the conversation very much. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Jeffrey Shaw. So go and learn more from him at jeffreyshaw.com. From his articles, to his podcast, to his coaching, and his group cohort, you'll find lots of opportunities for Jeffrey to help you grow your business and gain more control in your life. And you can get immediate free resources from Jeffrey right now when you go take the self-employed assessment at selfemployedassessment.com. It's a super short six-question assessment that'll help you discover the biggest hidden gap that's keeping you from having a thriving, self-employed business that you love. And along with that, you'll also get some laser-focused insights to help you start closing that gap. And if you want to go deeper on the self-employed ecosystem and the lessons Jeffrey and I discussed today, then go pick up your copy of his book, The Self-Employed Life. It's available everywhere books are sold. And if you enjoyed this discussion with Jeffrey, then I think you're going to love the next one featuring Jenny Blake. It's another discussion with lessons designed around helping you gain more control and time in your business and, even more importantly, in your life. Jenny Blake is an author, she's a podcaster, she's a keynote speaker who loves helping business leaders move from friction to flow through smarter systems. Jenny hosts two podcasts with over 1 million downloads combined, free time for heart-based business owners, and pivot with Jenny Blake to help people learn how to navigate change. And she's the author of three best-selling books, including her latest, Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. Jenny and I talk about her lessons that help business leaders get unstuck from what she calls the burdensome bees. Bored, bottlenecked, burned out, or buried by bureaucracy. Along with getting unstuck, 
We also talk about Jenny's practical systems and strategies to help you free your mind, your time, and your team to do more of your best work. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Jenny's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.